What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Nurse Ree, and you're tuning in to Forensic Nurse Files. This is an informative but fun true crime podcast that follows the careers of three forensic nurse examiners. We just want to note that this podcast uses foul language, some sarcasm, and contains descriptions of adult themes and violence that some people may find disturbing. So if you need support, please check the show notes or visit our website. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. It's Nurse Ree. Ellie. And... Oh, who am I? <laughs> who am I? Who am I? Who Do I even know who I am anymore? I know. Sorry. It's Nurse Joy. I'm, I, I'm back from the woodworks, guys. <laughs> I'm back from the woodworks. I'm still alive and I'm here and I'm trying really hard, okay? <laughs> We're so happy to have you back, Joy. I'm happy to be back. I miss you, guys. We miss you too. Oh my gosh, I'm sure the listeners miss you as well. So we're going to talk tonight about testifying, which, um, Joy, you're going to have a lot to talk about tonight because you've been um, recently on the stand, right? In the past year, I've testified, well, okay, so I I was going to say three times, but the last time that I got uh, subpoenaed, which wasn't that long ago, like two weeks ago, wasn't it? Like two weeks ago. Um, And I got to tell you about that. I actually didn't have to. So, um, and once we get into all the questions, then I'll talk about why, but yeah. So in the past like year, I want to say probably it was at the past six months. Something that maybe, um, some of our listeners aren't aware of is that when abuse, assault, rape, or other violent crimes are committed, a court case almost always follows. So our, it's our duty as a forensic nurse to collect evidence of an injury from the victim's body. And then we retrieve that potential DNA evidence. We fully document all injuries according to our strict procedure. And then when prosecutors, they build a case against a defendant, the forensic nurse, such as us, who collected the initial evidence, we may be subpoenaed to appear in court and offer testimony. You know, I'm not sure if our listeners know just how closely related testifying and forensic nursing is. That was one of the first questions that was asked in the places that I've worked as a forensic nurse, are you okay with going to court? Are you okay with testifying in court? Because it's something that occurs so often. Like Ellie was saying earlier, these are crimes. So they are often prosecuted and we are often subpoenaed to testify based on what we saw or what we found. Also, I think people don't know when these cases go to court, it takes a while. It takes like years sometimes to go to even just to prelim. So it's not immediate. Which I think a lot of people think it is because like in the movies and stuff, it always shows like the crimes happening and then they go to court like the next week. No, dude, the ones I've testified for were at least two years ago. A lot of time it's like that because it takes that long for them to, you know, to look at the DNA evidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, get all the... The wheels of justice are slow. Yeah. A lot slower than they should be, but that's just the way it is. I mean... Mm-hmm. Our justice system is completely backed up, as most people are probably already aware. You know, but one, th- you know, it's important that as forensic nurses, like when we do testify, you know, that we're not, you know, that we are not biased. We show compassion and neutrality, and that's, you know, that's crucial for forensic nurses because if we show that we have a bias towards towards one side or the other, it just 
discredits our credibility. Absolutely. And so we can be asked to testify in so many different settings. So because of that, it's important for us to know what is expected of us in each type of setting. And that requires us to work really closely with the attorney or the district attorney or DA who's asked us to testify. Usually you'll meet with them beforehand just to get a feel of what you're about to walk into. The DAs that I've been in contact with have been pretty good with answering questions and things like that with me. Um, So they prep you in some way, but they didn't give me like a list of questions. It was kind of like a rough outline. Like these are the things that I'm going to go over. These are the things that you, these are the questions I'm going to ask you. Um, Things like that. And side note, okay, I will always, always, always show up for the victims and these, these kids, but I hate testifying. It's so nerve wracking. It's so nerve wracking. It's so like, Because you're in a courtroom and everyone's staring at you. So like the judge, the lawyers, the suspect, the jury, the victim. Well, the victim's not in there. They haven't been, at least for me, because the cases that I've testified for were both children. So they typically do the child's testimony first. And then after the child's testimony, they leave, you know, but everyone's just staring at you. It's like quiet and you're getting grilled. (laughs) Pretty much is what's going on. It's super intimidating. Yeah. So did they like dig into your background and ask you specific things like about your nursing career or what kind of things were they asking you that were not directly related to the case? Yeah, well, the first the first case that I testified for the cross exam when the other lawyer talks to you. So the first time I testified, the cross exam happened and she was like, so did you get certified as a sane nurse? And I was like, no. And she was like, why? And I was like, because it's not required in my job. And she was like. But how long were you in forensics for? And I was like, like two years. And she was like, but why didn't you get certified? And I was like, because it's not required. Just (laughs) And then like uh, one of the nurses that we work with, um, I had gone to for advice and she kind of says like, okay, when, when the cross exam happens, don't explain yourself. Don't like, you know, go into long explanation detail or whatever. Just say yes or no. And then if they, if they get bored with you, that's better because then they just leave you alone. Mm-hmm. So she, I, I had try, I had started to like, you know, explain myself. And then I remembered her saying that. And I think after maybe like the fourth or fifth question, she gave up because then she was just like, well, if all you're going to say is yes or no, then because I think they try to find you like tripping up on things, yeah. you know, they try to they discredit have- you. So <laughs> it was like. I just answered your first question just because you rephrased it doesn't mean that the answer is going to be different, but okay. You know, in all my years of forensic nursing, somehow I've dodged the bullet of being subpoenaed or called to testify. I don't know how that's happened, but I'm a little bit thankful because I'm absolutely terrified to have to go on the stand. It just seems, I don't know, I'm also a nervous laugher, so I don't think that that would go over well with me up there laughing because I'm uncomfortable. It's really awkward, too. I hate public speaking. And, like, then you think this is, like, a legal proceeding. I've not yet been called to testify as a forensic nurse either, you know. And it's not – we do get called, but not for as many cases as we handle. We don't go to court for that many cases, not even close to it. You know, but it is nerve-wracking. And, you know, with my former, you know, career in law enforcement, I did a lot of testifying. And it's super intimidating. And what I've learned is, you know, just – you know, you don't have to elaborate. 
if um, you feel uncomfortable, sometimes when we're uncomfortable, we feel like we need to keep talking. But it's better just to, you know, the facts, just answer the question in as few words as possible and accurately and then just move forward. I don't know if that makes sense to you, you know, because the more we talk, the, the more you almost dig yourself into a hole, even though there's no reason you should be in a hole. You're not doing anything wrong. You're not saying anything wrong. But they're trying to find... So you have the prosecution and you have the defense, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the prosecution, of course, is going to ask you questions, certain questions, and the defense is going to ask you other questions and try to, you know, discredit you in some way, shape, or form. Like, for instance, you said, why are you not certified? Well, it's not required because I think I looked the other day and I want to see, you know, depending if it's adult or pediatric, you know, um, international certification, there's about 1,700 internationally. That's not a lot. So it's not required. It's an extra step. It doesn't mean you can't do your job for 50 years and do great at it. With You don't need to have that certification. It's just an extra, you know, thing that you would want to get for yourself. It doesn't change the way you do your work. It doesn't change the way you testify. It doesn't change the evidence, right? It's almost like the equivalent of a nurse, um, whether you have an associate's or a bachelor's. Like, you're still a nurse. You're still an mm -hmm. RA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, to change your practice. It's just. Exactly. 100%. Oh, That's yeah. a great way of looking at it because it's true. You know, and sometimes the person that has a certification isn't necessarily the one that has the most experience in that position. So it's just something that, you know, you know, you're grasping at straws, you know, on both sides, right? You know, right. and when say, there's evidence against, let's just say that the prosecution has evidence, DNA evidence, which is pretty much it is or it isn't. Um, and then the, you have, a, you know, the, you know, defense trying to come in and trying to, you know, counter that evidence or trying to discredit you. Because they don't have, you know, that's the only thing that they have left. They're just grasping at straws sometimes, you know, but again, court, going to court is to bring all the facts out. So there's a fair trial. We go to all kinds of courts. We go to criminal court. We go to juvenile court, civil court, military court, grand judge proceedings, whatever it is. Um, sometimes we're called to testify as a fact witness or expert witness, meaning that we don't know anything whatsoever about the case, but we're just testifying to what the forensic nurse, you know, examiner does sees like if they saw a certain uh, you know, something that, that they would say in their you know experience opinion that that is consistent with blah 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 you know it doesn't mean that they know anything about the case whatsoever and so because we can be called to testify in so many different court settings or proceedings and we can be called as a fact witness or an expert witness it's really important that we make it clear that our duty is to provide comprehensive health care to our patients and our victims to collect our evidence, and it's always done as a service to the patient. So let's talk about fact witness versus expert witness. So a fact witness is us testifying only about what we did and what we saw. We don't express any opinion in the case. We keep it strictly objective. And Nurse Joy, you can probably speak more in detail about this, but we maybe ask specific questions about the typical protocols we use in our exams. And so because of that, we also need to be extremely familiar with not only the exams that were done in the specific case that we're testifying on, but also have a good understanding about the protocols and the reasons that those protocols are in place. Um, so for the one, I don't know if I can talk about the second one because the second one still hasn't gone to trial. The second one I did just both prelim for. But the first one was straight trial. I never went to prelim for the first one. So the first case that I testified for was straight to trial. I never went to the prelim for that one. That case, she asked me like what the scar was and what the protocol was for um, 
child sexual abuse exam. So they mostly ask about the form, the report, and the photos, which is exactly what that is. Because, like, this is what I saw on the body. Right. Which is a fact. It's not, like, what I think about it. Like, if I see a bruise, the bruise was there. I can't fix the bruise. Um, and then um, your addendum. So the part that you transcribe at the end. Um, so that's what they asked me about that one. And, and then they have like copies of my diagrams and my photos and my forms and my addendum. And then they bring it to, to, um, they brought me a copy and then they have the, um, the suspect's lawyer also gets a copy too, which is also really like also nerve wracking too. Cause then every, everyone up in here is reading like what I wrote and looking at all the pictures that I took which is why it's so important. And we talked about this in our evidence collection episode and our photography. Like, it's just so important to take your time and make sure you're doing it right. And you're mm-hmm. getting as much as you can, because it will be under the microscope if you do go to court. And then it, like um, you had said before, Nurse Joy, it could be a couple of years. And most of the time it is a couple of years later. And we see so many different cases. so many many that we would no matter if it was something that was sometimes we have those cases that you'll never erase from your mind right oh um, yeah you know you would think you could never erase them from your mind but you see so many that you just um it has to be so you have to be so diligent about your documentation because when you come back two three four years whatever it is later all you have is your charting to look at and yeah it'll and your photographs and it'll trigger some memories for sure, but um, in order to be, you know, a- you know, to give accurate testimony, you have ac- have to have accurate documentation, photographs, etc. So it's really, really important, like you had said, um, re, that we take our time. And sometimes we feel super rushed because we have other patients, but it's not going to benefit anybody if we rush through the exam and the documentation. That's a really so, good point. That's exactly right. And so, you know, in some instances, it really depends on where you work because you might only have your documentation to go back and look at in your charting, but you might work somewhere where they do recorded interviews. So then you do have an audio and video recording of exactly what the patient told you or the victim told you, exactly the series of events that occurred and what, what brought them into your facility and the exact details of the assault and that you'll have that to jog your memory. But if you're working somewhere where, like Nurse Joy was just talking about, where you write an addendum, maybe you don't have that audio and video recording. But, so what an addendum is, is at the end of your documentation, there's a Word document that where you open up and you're typing exactly the series of events on a chronological timeline. So at this time, the patient came into the ER. At this time, the ER called me and said that this patient was waiting. At this time, I was at the bedside seeing the patient. At this time, I notified law enforcement. At this time, I notified Child Protective Services and so on and so forth and just kind of gives extremely detailed um, series of events so that you're not rifling through papers or you know, the defense or prosecution attorneys are not having to rifle through papers or the jurors to see, oh, what time did this happen? How long was it before the police arrived and the patient was seen? Or how long between the interview of the patient and the evidence collection? And it'll be all right there on one sheet of paper for you. And that addendum is really important for us when we come back to court because our documented, you know, um, 
state mandated form, you know, for whatever state you're in. And, um, and it's a forensic medical exam report. So everything that you fill out, but our addendum breaks down what we did at, you know, like zero, eight, 30 hours, got called to the emergency department to see a potential, you know, alleged child abuse, sexual assault, whatever it is. And then at this amount of time, we saw the patient. Here's what we saw. It's really objective information broken down in a timeline. So we can go back and it can jog our memory, but it also is a documentation of facts that occurred from the beginning to the end. Not just the report that's filled out, but when we did everything, when we called law enforcement, when law enforcement showed up, you know, anything that any, um, you know, spontaneous statements that were made, any observations. And again, it's completely objective. None of our opinions. Like we do a lot of quotations, um, you know, for what our patients have said to us in that addendum. And, and that's, we can put it in other places, but that's really where we are able to create a story versus a report, a list of events in chronological mm -hmm. order of what happened since you saw that patient. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't know, we were talking about our different, you talked about a fact witness, right? So you were talking about that re and it's like, you know, no opinions, we just testify to the facts and that's what we do a lot of the time. And I mentioned briefly about being an expert witness. So a lot of times, Forensic nurses are called um, to cases that they're not involved with at all to be an expert witness. And that's a person that has more knowledge and experience than an average juror on the subject matter, which would be us in the case of forensic nursing. So we have our education, our training, our experience, or a combination of all the above. And that can be used to establish a witness um, um, as an expert for the case. So um, any of us... Um, Forensic nurse examiners or sexual assault nurse examiners can be qualified as an expert witness um, on whatever subject it may be that we're an expert in. Um, and so we testify on what we've seen, heard, or experienced and educate, you know, the jury, the judge, and give our opinion to the jury or to the judge. So again, I think I mentioned it earlier. So if they say, you know, do you think that this injury was caused by a you know, a burn, a cigarette burn. Um, and you can testify to the facts that um, based on the photographs and based on your, you know, expertise, this type of injury is consistent with a burn mark from a cigarette, you know, something like that, just to make it super simple to understand. So I know we just said a whole lot about the difference between expert witnesses and fact witnesses, but to make it really simple, the primary difference is that when we're testifying as a fact witness, we're only going to testify about what we've seen, heard, or experienced. However, if we're testifying as an expert witness, we're also going to educate and give our opinions on certain matters to the judge and to the jury. You know, expert witnesses have a lot of knowledge in how, you know, victim presentation, mechanisms of injury, wounds, etc. So we mostly get called as fact witnesses, I guess, right? But there's some uh, nurses or forensic nurses that actually get called. And I think when you're actually um, certified, you're on a list where oh. you can get contacted. Once you're certified, you're on a list and there's not a lot of them. You can actually get contacted and compensated for um, agreeing to testify as an expert witness. Yeah, because they could actually look you up on a, um, a, a database. You know, really, it just helps, you know, to have an expert witness, whether it's in these cases or other types of cases, you know, drug, you know, dealing, whatever it is, there's expert yep. witnesses for everything. So... So when you're subpoenaed as an expert witness, there's certain things that you need to be prepared to testify to. So 
you need to know your qualifications as an expert witness, your education, training, any prior clinical experience that you've had, and whether it's general nursing or sane nursing experience. You need to know the best practices for performing medical forensic exams. You need to know what happens during a sexual assault exam and explain the presence or absence of findings. So like we said before, a lot of times sexual assault exams do not result in injuries, and so you need to be able to explain why that happens. You need to be able to testify to victim behavior and common victim presentation at the time of the exam, the mechanism of injury and wounds, and your opinions based on the findings of that exam. And just to add to that, in addition to providing testimony, sexual assault nurse examiners or forensic nurse examiners may be asked by attorneys to provide expertise by way of reviewing medical records and giving your opinions based on those medical records. So we work, like we talked about how we work with both prosecutors and defense attorneys. Prosecutors are the one trying to put the alleged suspect or perpetrator behind bars and defense attorneys are trying to protect them. And they're both equally important in our justice system, right? Because we don't want someone, you know, that's innocent to go to jail and vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so, you know, we are patient advocates. Our role as a forensic nurse, sexual assault nurse examiner is to be a patient advocate, but we can't let that conflict with our role of being an impartial witnesses. That's why we talked about no matter how we feel, Based on our, you know, connection that we made, we still are objective and everything that we document and we don't know. We're not there. And it's um, sometimes it's kind of hard to do that. I have to say for me, sometimes it's hard. I think, you know, I, I kind of feel like it's hard to not take a side, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of like if you have a child and your child comes to you, this mean, mean person at school did this and I'm like, let's go get him. But maybe your child was the one that started the whole thing and did everything, you know. So you've always got to keep that, you know, open mind and and be objective. And, um, you know, that's, that could be challenging, but it's something that I think we're all really good at doing. I think we can definitely separate ourselves when we need to. What do you think? Oh, I totally agree. You know, we're human. We also have an opinion that forms in our head when we're hearing certain things, we're seeing certain things. It's really hard to just turn that off and focus on the patient, but if you're a nurse, you know that you, we have to do this every day in our job. Your patient might be a serial killer. Your patient might be a mass shooter. Your patient might be a pedophile. You still have to turn off your opinions and your feelings and just focus on patient care. It's the same thing when you're, or I would like to think it's the same thing when you go to testify. You turn off those thoughts and opinions and you're just stating the facts of what you've seen, what you heard what you observed. If you're testifying as a fact witness, then that's it. If you're testifying as an expert witness, then you're able to say, this is consistent with this. And that's my opinion. So I think it's really, really hard to do. Um, But I think that as a forensic nurse, we know the importance of that. And so if we are put on the stand, majority of us know how to turn that off and just give the facts. Yeah, and we may get a, a subpoena to testify in a case from the prosecutor and we may get a subpoena from the defense attorney, right? We don't know, but it's our, it's our obligation to respond immediately and show up. You know, it doesn't matter because we're only testifying to facts. And usually, you know, they both talk to you, right? You know, at some point in time, I don't know about you, Joy, 
But did you only talk to the prosecutor or the defense? Like, who did you? I only talked to the DA. So I actually didn't meet them until I got there. And, uh, well, I had spoken to them on the phone before, both times. And when I got there, that's when I met them. Um, and then the f- the only time I had ever talked to the other attorney was during the cross. They don't really talk to you. Well, I didn't even see the other attorney until we were in court. The first case I did, and then the second case, that's still ongoing. Same thing. Right. Yeah. And then it's like you don't even know. Like, so if you talk to one of them, you kind of have an idea of what, you know, we're, we're going to probably ask you about your photographs. We're going to ask you about your diagrams. We're going to ask you about these certain things and you have kind of an idea, but then when you get cross-examined, you're kind of thrown for a loop. So it's like, you got to take that breath, you know, and think about it before you answer it. And, you know, um, but they ask for things like that. They ask for, you know, um, you know, do the photo, we're going to talk about your photographs. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, um, the conversation that your patient had with you or, you know, kind of maybe even groom you a little bit on how the testimony goes, which is really great mm-hmm. if they do that because, again, I haven't testified as a forensic nurse examiner yet, so it's different. Yeah. But I'm hoping that they kind of give you a little bit of grooming, not like to what to say, but to what kind of things might be asked or where they might be going. Yeah. Yeah, which makes, I don't know, did you get that? Um, Just a little bit over the phone. They pretty much asked me, do you have any questions for me? And that was my main question. Are you going to ask me anything crazy is the main question. But I mean, for both times, it was, like I said before, about the diagrams, the photos, um, my addendum, which is the transcript, and the forms. And then sometimes they'll ask, well, how was the patient's demeanor? Or what did he, she look like? Or like, were her clothes dirty? Like, things like that. But it was more so along the lines of, yeah, my my full report. Right. We didn't even mention my pictures in the first trial. Um, the one that I did. The first, the, my first ever testimony, they didn't even really um, ask about my pictures. They more so asked about my report. So I went to one of the testimonies for one of, for another, um, you know, forensic nurse examiner, and it was in a a very um, high profile child abuse case that led to, unfortunately, um, death of that child. And a lot of the testimony was based on the photographs, Mm -hmm. the document, the, you know, diagrams and documentation of the injuries, and the demeanor and conversation from the accused. What was said? And so that's super important, what was said, because that's why we talked about on the addendum or on our exam forms, we'll use quotations of exactly what the victim or patient said, because it can weigh so heavily in court. So if you're in a facility where you don't have a recorded exam or you have exactly documented what the victim or patient says that the suspect said to them or what happened during the exam or exactly you know, what their demeanor was or what they were doing or they said this during the exam. In your addendum, you also are going to write a history per the patient. So you're going to write a narrative of basically the story that the victim or patient tells you is what happened. And in that history, you're going to put direct quotes 
of what they're stating. And that also, like I said, translates to your exam form. So let's say that there, there's the question asking, did the suspect have any weapons on them? Did they display those weapons? Did they threaten you with those weapons? That's an example where you can put an exact quote. He had a gun on his hip, he pulled up his shirt, showed me the gun and said, don't make me use this. Direct quote, and you can put that exactly on your form. So, so every single, not just the forensic nurse examiner, but the ICU nurse, the emergency department nurse, the emergency department doctor and the ICU doctor, they were all asked the same questions. How did the, who was the suspect who happened to be the mother of Mm -hmm. the child, what did they say to you? What was their demeanor? How did that? And they actually asked them to like, is this something that, you know, they gave, it was actually, they, they had more than the facts. It was their opinion. Like in all my years as a ICU nurse, I have never seen a reaction such as this because this is what I saw. So that was, um, to me, um, it just made me, um, understand how important it is for us to document those things in our addendum, because there's no place for that. Really. You can put a little thing like when you're documenting injuries, like that they said or whatever, but to have that in the addendum is crucial to the outcome of the case, because you know, if I just killed my child, um, it would be unusual for me to be laughing and calling friends and asking about when we're going to get a margarita, right? Mm-hmm. So that would be something that you would want to document, right? And I'm being super extreme with that, but not really. So those are things that we do document in those addendums that we that can, you know, be used later. And again, they're just facts. They're objective. There's no opinion on those whatsoever. But if they ask my opinion on that, I would think that in my experience of seeing 50 people in the same place. That's the only person I've seen talk like that. Mm -hmm. You know, usually I see a different behavior, but it doesn't mean that they committed um, murder, but you don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, so, yeah. 100%. And I think that those addendums are extremely beneficial for those facilities that do them. One thing that I do want to touch on is that on our forms, whether it be sexual assault, domestic violence, I think even the child abuse forms, there is a spot where you can record the demeanor of the patient. And so that's somewhere where you can record any odd behavior or suspicious behavior that you feel is not consistent with what you normally view. However, when you're dealing with a suspect, which is more of what Nurse Ellie is talking about, I don't believe that that box exists on those forms. So if you are in a place where there is an addendum, that is somewhere where you can record that. But I do believe there's a spot on the suspect exams where it asks for any pertinent findings. And that's a box where you can write any and everything. So that's somewhere where you can record if you do feel like they're acting suspicious or there's something off or their behavior is not consistent with what you normally see. In that box, I would put exactly what you see and what you observed. And that is definitely a spot where you can record that if you don't have an addendum that you're going to be writing. All right, y'all. So that's going to end part one of our testifying episode. As always, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, you can email us at ForensicNurseFilesPod at gmail.com. We're also on TikTok at ForensicNurseFilesPod. And then we're on Facebook and Instagram at ForensicNurseFiles. We look forward to your feedback. And for those of you who have been emailing and messaging us on Instagram, thank you so much for your feedback and your request. We are definitely getting some things together for you guys. Please stay tuned. We're now bi-weekly. 
but we're still going to keep the content rolling out. So until next two weeks, y'all stay safe and we'll catch you next time.